You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. What a message, amen? I'm glad that Jesus willingly went to the cross to shed His blood for our sins. And what a price that was that Jesus paid. Uh, the price of your redemption and the price of my redemption, of our salvation. Jesus, amen. All right. You know, well, the, the church is really the most blessed institution upon the entire earth. The church is the only one that's been built by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church was bought by Jesus. Nicole just uh, sang about that a little bit, where the Bible said in Acts 20, verse 28, the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. The church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. Uh, the Bible calls the church God's building. But now remember, when it refers to God's building, it isn't talking about a physical building, but He's using that example so that we can understand the work that God's doing. The church is made of people not of bricks and stone and mortar, but of people. The Bible says we are the living stones, the lively stones that God has used. And we're God's building. It says we're laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Jesus is bound to the church. Uh, uh, this, is, this introduction may be familiar if you were here a couple Wednesday nights ago, but in Acts chapter 9, verse 4, this is an interesting verse right here. Uh, the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. He was locking up Christians and having Christians put to death. But the Lord Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. So the Lord Jesus was no longer walking the earth. It was after his death, after his resurrection. Paul was going around wreaking havoc on the church. And Jesus come and said, Saul, Saul. And that was Paul's name uh, before it was changed. Uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, Paul had never met Jesus up to that point. But Jesus was, had an issue with Paul because Paul said, you're persecuting me. Well, he wasn't persecuting Jesus directly, but Jesus took it personally. He said, you're persecuting me by persecuting my body. The true, the, the, the Bible-believing church that was uh, there in that day. And then the church is also to be the bearer of truth. And we'll say more about that. It's the only institution on earth that God has promised to eternally bless. It's the only one of which He declared that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Folks, if you read the history of the persecution of the church, and I'm not going to take too much time to go into this this morning, but there's a lot of confusion about this because early on uh, there there were pagans that realized they would have more power if they reclassified their paganism as Christianity and then began to persecute those who were truly Christians. The thing you need to understand is that in, in history... There's not a time to where Bible-believing, Bible-practicing Christians were putting anybody to death or forcing them to convert. We know that there were people that were doing that in the name of God, but that's never been people who were following the Word of God. Uh, and, and, And you may find it interesting that the type of people that they were putting to death, it wasn't just Muslims, it was also people that believed just like we do. It was people who was trying to get the Bible into the hands of common people. They, that this, they believed that they needed to be put to death for that. You can study that history yourself. Uh, and I, I, I preach about, I mention that from time to time, but that's not the message today. Uh, but just to let you know that what, what has been called Christianity oftentimes um, isn't necessarily Christianity, all right? Um, but, but it's endured ever since the first century. Now, uh, to today's message, and I'm, I'm excited at this church about going into a new year. I'm excited about all that God's done. I'm excited about what God's going to do today. I'm excited about what God's going to do in the future. And uh, somebody says, well, haven't you watched the news lately? But, but yes, I've watched the news, but I'll read the Word of God first, amen? And, and my worldview comes from there, and so then I interpret the things of life from a different point of view. I have hope. I have faith. I have a God that's in control. I have a God that's always been faithful and always will be faithful. 
And so I can look forward to and hope, and, and more specifically within the church, as I think about the vision of the church to where uh, I want you all to be a part of this. And if, and if you don't know Christ as Savior, He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know the peace and the joy, the forgiveness, uh, the, the, the clearing of guilt, the, the, the purpose, the acceptance that you find in the grace of God. And, and, and what I'm looking and excited about doing in this year is better defining, refining, and expanding on our vision and purpose as a church. Uh, for those that don't know, the Lord first, first touched uh, my wife and my, uh, our hearts about coming to this area 23 years ago. There's a lot of people, there's probably half the people in here that are uh, younger than that or would have been kids then. Uh, but 23 years ago is when God first laid upon my heart to come to this area. Uh, some things didn't work out initially, so we went to Central South Dakota. But I went to Central South Dakota in 2002 with plans on getting back to this very area. Uh, you know, so I started the church there, but my intentions of starting that church was I'm going to start a church in the state capitol, and then I'm going to turn that church over to a, a man uh, whom was trained in the, to, that was trained in the church, and then I'm going back down to the southeast part of the state, to this tri-state area. And so, that's what, and so 11 years ago, 23 years ago is when God first burdened my heart to come to this area. 11 years ago was when we had our very first service, a little over 11 years ago. Uh, we, we opened up the door and we had our very first service. And again, I, it's always cool to me to think about the people that are still here today that were here that very first Sunday. Some of them that came, by the way, that first Sunday did not know Christ as their Savior. They were curious about a church starting up. They thought it was interesting. Uh, we had free beef hot dogs, all beef hot dogs. I don't do the other ones, you know. Uh, who could resist that? Uh, and and you, you, it, it is kind of humorous to think about. We, we, we talk, you know, I, I, Dan puts it in a, in a cool way, but here we are starting, you know, because when I first moved here, the place where we started the church at was Gracie's Consignments. And it, some of y'all remember Gracie's Consignments? It was uh, um, right there in the strip mall over there. Well, so, but we move into that place. We have our first service, and, and uh, all we have is a crock pot full of hot dogs in the Bible. Amen? That's kind of, that's how this thing started. <laughs> Uh, but, but it's awesome to me to think about the, the souls that have come to Christ since that day. The lives that have been changed, the lives that are still being transformed and changed over the last 11 years. Man, God has been so good. And this isn't about pumping up the church because this is all giving glory to God, but I'm just wanting to communicate to you a little bit about uh, this vision and about the, the really today more focusing on the core principles that we founded on and that we are, and these, these core principles that are really long-term, unchanging values of who we are as a church. You know, really when it comes down to a church, what really matters about a church is what a church believes. You say, well, I would say it's about what the church does. Yeah, but a church does what it believes. So first, what, it, what do you believe? What is your foundation? What is your core? Because everything else comes from that. All right, and so it matters. The most important thing about the church is that Jesus Christ and the truth that He's delivered to us. So what principles lie at the core of all we do? I want to share these with you today. And these are principles that I want everybody in the church to become familiar with. Uh, as a matter of fact, we'll probably try to have them uh, you know, printed up and around. We may have a place on a wall to where we have these communicated in, in, a, in, a, in, an, in an attractive way. But the very first principle that I want to share with you, the core principle of, of what we are and who we are as we continue on, number one, we are gospel-centered. Gospel-centered. Now, you may be here today and saying, how is this affecting me today? Well, I hope that you'll see in just a moment. But in other words, we are gospel-centered, which means this, the person and the work of Jesus Christ is at the heart of all we do. The person and the work of Christ, we are gospel-centered. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the world. Amen. This commandment that Jesus gave has been the drive of the church for the last 2,000 years. And again, I know that there's churches, because I'm talking about the authentic thing. I'm not talking about the imitators, all right? I'm not talking about dead religion and all this business, okay? And I'm not talking about climbing ladders and, you know, climbing up a rung to try to get your way to heaven and to God or, you know, going under, a, uh, you know, jumping a pole or limboing under another pole and hopefully if you do enough, God will be accepted and you'll be accepted with... I'm not talking about that business. I'm talking about true Bible preaching. I mean, life-changing, life-transforming uh, church and gospel. It, it comes back to this command of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells those to whom He has reached out to, go and tell everybody about what I've done. Tell them about the death the burial, the resurrection, and why I did that. Most people we know know all about that, but they don't really know why. And so it's our job to communicate why. Teaching them, and then he goes on further and says, teaching them to observe all things. And so that goes into the instruction part. But Jesus' directive is our highest priority. Every facet of our church activity in some way relates to our biblical purpose. Every aspect, every facet, everything we do, we want to be gospel-centered. We want to engage our world with the gospel. But think about this gospel-centeredness that I'm speaking of. Philippians 1.27, here's what the Bible says. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now I want to pause right there for a second because when the Bible speaks of conversation, it's a little bit more in-depth than our, the way we use conversation. We use conversation in just what we say. Our, the, the way we talk, you know, what, what's going on. But the Bible goes much deeper than that, and it speaks about our behavior overall. It speaks about the way we live our life. So he's saying to those who have trusted Christ as Savior, he's saying to them, your life, you ought to live according to the gospel. Let your life, let the way you act, reflect the gospel. Then he goes on down to the end of the verse, of course, and he says that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I think you can see the example of the gospel-centeredness. We are gospel-centered. Jesus Christ and His work are at the center of all we do. Every message, every lesson, every song, every fellowship, it's gospel-centered. It's about Jesus Christ. And something else I'll say about this, what does the gospel mean? It means the death, burial, and resurrection. But in short, what does, what's another word for the word gospel? Good news. You know what? We want to be a good news church. Have a good news culture. Now, understanding that sometimes you've got to know the bad news before you can appreciate the good news. But we've got good news. Therefore, we can have an attitude of people with good news. There is, I've mentioned the news already, there's enough bad news in the world, but there's some good news. And the good news, you, th I mean, you think about this message. This message that somebody once shared with me, and now I get to share with somebody else, that's the way it works, to where Jesus says that there, literally, there's a God in heaven who created you. He knows you. The Bible says you were covered in your mother's womb. The Bible says that He knows you're down-sitting and you're uprising. In other words, He knows when you're coming and going. The Bible says, this is in Psalm 139, that He sees your thoughts afar off. He knows everything you've ever thought. He knows everything you've ever said. He knows every, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Now, if you're a real honest person, that might make you a little nervous. Right? Because you're thinking, geez, everything I've done, everything I've thought, Everything I've said? Yes. But the good news is that He loves us. Amen? That, that He sees all that, He knows all that, and He loves us. He, he, he cares for you. He loves you. And, and, and see, your sin, the, the Bible says we're all born into sin. That's why we get a little bit nervous at the thought of everything I've seen. Every, you know, I've often thought about the example, what if today we could put up on these screens everything you've thought just today. Alright? What if we could do that? What? The, the, the point I'm simply trying to make is that we're all born sinners. 
The Bible says that, that from the inside, that's the way we're born. But the good, and that separates us from God. That, that brings us into all kinds of pain and misery. And yes, we live in a world that tries to advertise sin as the be-all, end-all. If you want joy, if you want peace, sin. But if we would be honest in our experience, we see that it leads to pain. It leads to destruction. It leads to loneliness. It leads to rejection. It leads to hopelessness. There's some very honest... I know a lot of very honest people that have given up on God and religion. And can I throw something else out there to you? I don't blame them. Because if I had your experience, I would be giving up on God and religion too. If what I, if, if what I knew about God is, or thought about God is what you think about God or, and have been taught about God and your experience in some sort of religion... I'd be in the same boat. But today, the good news is, this person who, you, you think you're mad at God, but what you, what you don't realize is you're just mad at a false perception of God. You think that you don't want anything to do with, you know, re religion or church, but what it is is you just don't want nothing to do with this rules-based, uh, pharisaical, nose-up-in-the-air, better-than-you religion. And I'm with you. But because that's not the gospel, and that's not my God. This God is a loving God. He's a God of judgment. Sin will be judged. But here's the good news. Because if you want to know about what God thinks about sin, look at the cross. Jesus had to go through what He went through because of sin. Alright? He had to die. He had to shed His blood. The wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. He knows you. Right now, sitting where you are, He knows you. And He loves you. And He wants you to know something. That He loves you, He knows you and loves you so much that 2,000 years ago, when they began to beat the back of Jesus Christ, He thought of this day, right now. And when the crowns were placed upon His head, and the reed was smitten, and He was smote upon, and they ripped His beard out and spit in His face. And then when He willingly laid down His body on that wooden cross, and they nailed the, the, those, those thick nails through His hands and through His feet, He was thinking of this day. And as He hung there on the cross, the Bible says for the joy that was set before, because what He knows, He was doing that for you. The Bible says who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the pain. The joy, you want to know what the joy was? Look in the mirror. You say, preacher, that's hard to believe. Don't I know it? But it's the truth. Amen? It's the truth! That's the good news! He, he paid for our sin. He died on the cross. He rose again the third day. Why? So that you could be forgiven of your sin. So that you could be saved. So that you could have life. <laughs> Anybody? You, I mean, what was it like the day you heard and got that message? Man, I'm telling you, I haven't been the same since. And I'll say furthermore, I've got a problem with Christians that say they don't want to hear about that anymore. Preacher, can't you talk about something deeper than that? What's deeper than that? The love of God. Amen. I mean, to think about that for you. He does all that. He did it all. All the way to the point of even organizing the details of your life that for whatever reason, you would be either listening today or sitting here today. He's organized it all to this moment to say, okay, now, I've done it all. I came from heaven, was born, I lived a sinless life, I went to the cross for you. Now, I'm coming to you right now. And literally, if you can just imagine Him coming right to where you are, because that's what He does. And in this very moment, He comes and He offers His hand to you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And just by simple faith. just In other words, by believing in His grace. Knowing you need to be forgiven. Believing He'll forgive you. Being willing to turn from that direction, that wide path leading to destruction, and say, Jesus, I'm tired of this word. Lord Jesus, I want You. He's right there. Your part is just simply by faith. I keep reaching out my hand. I go back to my mom who, who, who when I first... Um, after I first became a Christian, after I first heard this message and received Christ as my Savior, I, I heard the Gospel and, and, and I just said, I just invited Jesus in. 
Lord, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Well, I went and told my mom later, and, and she said, oh, well, that's wonderful that you became a Christian. She said, I'm a Christian too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. When I was 16 years old, I went forward with a bunch of girls, and, and, uh, and yeah, I've been a Christian too. I'm a Christian too. And I'm like, wow. And that bothered me as a Christian because I thought, wow, it kind of seems like maybe you would have told me. Maybe took it, take me to church once. Maybe. And I thought, well, something don't add up. But what it was is my mom, like a lot of other people, she was a Christian by name. She believed in God. The Bible says the devil believes in God. A lot of people believe in God. But it's up here. And, and so I began to pray for my mom. And I began to witness to my mom. But it wasn't me, but it was just the truth of God's Word that got to her heart. And she began to realize what I'm telling you right now. And I keep reaching out my hand. Because what my mom said when I asked her about, when, when she finally came to Christ, she just simply said this. Here was my mom's prayer. She just said, Lord Jesus, please come take my hand. Amen. So that's what I think. It's just a simple prayer. It's by faith believing. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And so we are gospel-centered in all that we do. We're gospel-centered in our message. We're gospel-centered in all that we do. And, and, and we have good news, folks. It's all about Jesus. He's the star. Jesus is the one we aim to please. He's the center of all that we do. Uh, the Bible says this. I love this in Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Folks, so the very first thing, our very first core principle, it's been here all along, and we've communicated. But I'm just trying to communicate them clearly. And it is this, it, we are gospel-centered. We're a gospel-centered church. Alright? Number two, we are a Bible-based church. God's Word is our sole authority for faith and practice. In other words, we do what we do. You say, well, why do you do this and other churches do that? Well, listen, uh, we, every church has some tradition in it, including this one. But the problem with some churches is traditions, and by the way, including a ton of Baptist churches too. This is not exclusive to uh, just to you know Protestants or Catholic or whatever. A lot of churches have their traditions. Not all of them are wrong. We not all traditions are wrong. But what happens with some people is here's what the way Jesus said it. He said, "You guys, you've taught your traditions as the commandments of God." And when churches begin to teach their traditions as the commandments of God, that's when there's an issue. But I'm not talking about other churches today. I'm just saying, by the grace of God, whatever traditions we may have around here will never be taught as the commandments of God. God's Word is what, what we base, what we believe on. It's what we base what we do on. Something you need to understand today is that we would rather be biblical than popular. I'm okay being popular. That's fine with me. Uh, I, I want the, the work of what we're doing at this church to be known. I want people to, to, to know of it and, and want to be a part of it. You could call that popularity, but we're not trying to win a popularity contest. We would rather be biblical than popular. Because somebody says, well, preacher, if we did this and we did that, could we pick up some more people? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with method. But if those methods are just like, well, that's not very biblical. You know, it's like, well, no, we're not going to... That might mean more people, but if it's violating biblical principles, then that's something that we're not going to do. The Bible says in Jude 1.3 that you should earnestly contend for the faith. The Bible says in Acts 5.29 that we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. So our very first core principle is that we're gospel-centered. Our second principle is that we're Bible-based. And, and, and in the Bible-based, I mentioned this on Wednesday, that's one of the reasons why we encourage people to have a Bible, to read their Bible, uh, and, and this will be in, 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 a, in a, another principle that I bring up, but the fact that we try to get people involved in the Bible. You want to know why? Because I don't want people going by what I or anybody else says. I want you going by what the Word of God says. And in order to go by the Word of God and know what the, know what the Word of God says, hey, you, you got to read it. And even if it's just simply going back and listening to this message if, and saying, okay, he said this. This is the verse he mentioned. Uh, I'm going to go back and read that verse. Is that what that verse is really talking about? 
I don't just welcome you to do that. I encourage you to do that. Check me out. And if and when I'm wrong, confront me with it. Uh, I'm not infallible. I try to carefully study and research what I'm going to say up here. But if you know me well at all, you know a lot of times what I carefully research stays in those notes while I'm out here blabbing. Amen? And, uh, and sometimes I can get off a little bit. Uh, and I've had people, and sometimes it's just been a simple clarification. Pastor, were you saying this? Oh, it did sound like I was saying that. No, I'll come back and clarify. Um, but but I, I want people to know the Word of God. But so, so the very first core principle is that we're gospel-centered. The, the number two core principle is that we're, we're Bible-based. The number three principle is that we love people where they are. What was Jesus accused of in Luke 7.34? Bill knows. When I say it, He was accused of being a friend of publicans and sinners. Not Republicans. He was a friend of publicans. And what a publican was, uh, what a publican was, a publican was a Jewish person who was working for the Roman state, basically robbing their own countrymen. I mean, they were just the lowest form of filth to it. They were one of the lowest forms of filth. They were traitors. But Jesus loved them. And he was accused of being a friend of publicans. And he was accused of being friends with sinners. Hey folks, you, Jesus preached some of the hardest message. You may be surprised to find how hard the, the messages that Jesus preached. But if you study to whom He preached His toughest message, His hard messages to, His fire and brimstone messages, who were those reserved for? The religious leaders. The folks that called themselves religious. But, I'm, but you look at how tenderly He dealt with you know, the woman that was called in adultery. He didn't justify adultery, but he loved the woman and he tried to help the woman. The woman at the well. You just go right on through. He loved people where they are. And that is a principle that we've been built on from day one. Jesus was called a friend of publicans and sinners. In John 20, verse 21, the Bible says, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Even so send I you. So we talked about that earlier, didn't we? How Jesus came, all that Jesus did to reach us. Then Jesus says, so send I you. I want you to do the same thing now. I want you to go to the publicans and sinners. I want you to love with the Gospel. And I, when I say love people where they are, here's the idea. The idea behind that is that we don't draw a line and it's like, well, if you get here, we'll love you. If you get here, we'll care about you. No, we love you wherever you are. Somebody says, preacher, you don't understand. I'm in the deepest, darkest pit. I'm in a terrible mess. My life's a wreck. I don't say, oh, my bad. I didn't realize that when I, when I offered to you know, reach out to you and try to help you. No, no, no. It says, I know it is. But there's a God in heaven that's going to help you. Amen. We love people. We care about people where, where they are. All right, and, and that means a couple of different things. For one thing, I love this. I love this to this day. We, we, were, we uh, were talking yesterday uh, at uh, breakfast, a few of the fellas. And, and by the way, there's going to be a few of us guys getting together in town tomorrow uh, at 8 for a, a Bible study, if any of the guys want to be a part of that. I know many can at that hour. But, 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 but there were several of us that just had breakfast the, uh, yesterday morning, and uh, we were talking about the theme and everything for our church, and I was talking about, about being life abundant. Uh, that's what we want people to know. Why should I come? Because here in Christ and in the, the teaching of His Word, you can find life abundant that He means for you to live. Life and that abundant. But then uh, uh, Ralph looked over at me. He's like, he's like, man, he said, I still like the love church. And the reason he said that is that there was a, a, a church, and it wasn't the, I don't want to say it was the church, but there was people in a church that's in our region, I'll say, that when they found out that the person was coming to this church, what they said in kind of a sarcastic way is, oh, you mean you're going to the love church. And they meant it in a negative way. And I thought, yeah, I'll take that, right? Uh, guilty. <laughs> you know, can you imagine that? Oh, God, forgive me for being the love church. What have we done? Uh, it's just hilarious, but... But again, that was just a couple critical people. 
uh, that are foolish but, uh, and blind, but, 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 but love people where they are. Uh, here's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.4. I love this, about what it got, says about God. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? I'll tell you, a core principle of this church about loving people where they are, I could say, to go along with that, loving all people where they are. Not just a few. All. God would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Folks, sharing the life-changing truth of the Gospel is the most compassionate and important endeavor in which we can be engaged. Soul winning quest, it's a responsibility. In other words, as a church, and remember, the church is not this building, it's the people of this church, we want to help somebody else come to Christ. We want to help somebody else come to Jesus. We want to invite them and invite people to come to church. You know, most people still get saved in church. Can I tell you? But I think it was uh, Tom Rayner that it, it, was an extent, it was extensive research done over like four or five years, if I'm not mistaken, and that 96% of people polled in America said they would probably go to church if they were invited. You know, I think that reminds me of a conversation that we had one time and, and, uh, uh, with, and with Emily. I, I need to get permission before I start calling people's names, but uh, uh, thank you, Emily, for giving me permission. But, but I can remember, there were some people, well, why didn't you, well, you're going to church there? Why didn't you come to church with me? And you know what her response was? You never invited me. Right? 96% of people say they would probably go up and invite. Now, you may have to invite them again. Don't be pushy. And don't be a victim if they don't come, for goodness sakes. You said you are going to come and you didn't come. And I'll tell you, I was standing at the door waiting on you for 20 minutes. Now, we may feel that way. I'm not, the, how many, I, I'll tell you, I've seen it in this church and, and I love the fact that we have people that love people try to get them to church. But, but how many of us have stood out on, whether it's this church or another church, but how many of us have stood right there in that, that little vestibule, that lobby area? Or how many of us have stood out on that porch just looking and waiting? Are they coming? Are they coming? And it can be disappointing when people don't come. It can be so disappointing for some people that are like, well, I'm done with that. I don't want to go through that. No, just keep on. Keep at it. And, 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 and don't, don't be obnoxious. That's honestly one of the things. It's, see, when I talk about a gospel-centered church and that that's our philosophy with things, one of the things about the gospel is that God does not force people to be saved. So quit trying to force people to get to church. Quit trying to force people to get saved. Quit trying to force people to do something in the church. And then, and, 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 right? We don't do that. Well, I'm going to make you, after all God's done for you, Tyler, can you not at least do this? Gosh, I guess so. I mean, uh, no, we don't force people. We don't guilt. We don't do that here. Uh, we love people where they are. And that includes one another. It doesn't just include those that don't yet know Christ. It includes one another. You know, there's some churches, if you hadn't quite measured up to their level yet, it's like, well, you're not quite qualified to get in the club yet. Hey, or, or, I said club and I went to the mm -mm club, right? And what I imagined to myself is I imagined we might let you in the club. Maybe you get good enough to come, come in the club, but you're not coming behind this red, uh, you know, rope right here. VIPs. You know churches have the VIP section? Hey, this, this church, the VIP section is the moment you walk in those doors. Amen? <laughs> I mean, listen, there's not big eyes and little U's and say, well, preacher, don't you do? Well, they... Well, she don't dress quite like me, so that's good. You don't dress all that good anyway. Uh, or, you know, some man says, uh, he don't quite look like me. You know, well, I, that's good. That's good. One of my favorite things, honestly, is seeing what God can do in just a life that's a wreck. Honestly. Because that's where God works. See, and that's the thing about religion. All religion can do, really, is it can't do nothing for sinners. All it can do is it can become a place where you know self-righteous folks can pat each other on the back and feel good about themselves. But religion can't do nothing with a messed up sinner that's walking through the door. What are we going to do there? Hey, preach, did you see that person come in? I'm not sure about their orientation. I'm not even sure what that is. You know? 
preaching. That per- it looks like they opened up a tackle box and a bomb went off. You know, what are we going to do about this? That was an eye roll. I heard that from Phil Spencer many years ago. That's all it. But that's how people feel about it. Uh, well, no, it's like, glad you're here. Amen. I, I got a wonderful friend of mine I'd like to introduce you to. Amen. And his name is Jesus Christ. We're glad you, we love you right where you are. So, so both saved, both unsaved, doesn't matter where you are, we love you where we are. And, and again, that didn't mean that Jesus with the woman caught in adultery was just like, oh, she's caught in adultery and I'm going to forgive her. And by the way, why don't we just all commit adultery? That's not Bible teaching, right? That, that's, now there's churches today. What could get more people here? I know, we'll just celebrate adultery and fornication, and we'll celebrate everything people are bound by and call that good. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about love that can free people from that. We're talking about a transformation that can take places in people's hearts and lives that people can be freed from that. We love people where they are. That is a principle, uh, one of the core principles of our church. Uh, Another thing I'll say is that we grow together. We grow together. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 The Bible says, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In the book of Acts, you find a church that was was stressing making disciples. So this goes to the purpose of our church. Life, that's what I've been talking about, knowing Christ as Savior, but now living the abundant life. A life free from those cords and chains from sin and the world. Right? A a life to where you literally can be transformed into the person that God created you to be through the Word of God. I'm talking about that's what discipleship is. It's taking our old things that we thought, all the things that we... You know many people still believe about themselves? Many people were told that they're losers and they still believe it. Many people were told that they're, they're, they're unacceptable and that they're less than and they believe it. Many people have been told they're worthless and they believe it. Many people have been told that uh, they'll never amount to anything and they believe it. That they can never, that, that they'll never be the man, the woman, the person that God made them to be. They believe that. But the truth is, in the abundant life, God's Word, folks, transforms your life. And helps you to become the person that God called you to be. Now the battle is, now this may sound strange to some of you, but if you've been saved any amount of time, it won't sound strange to you at all. The battle is, when God saved me, He gave me a new nature. He gave me new desires. He gave me a different, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, I heard some folk, somebody called it a wanter, you know, a wanter. Alright, y'all got to stick with my accent right here for a second, okay? Because y'all don't know how to say some words right. And I'm, so y'all don't understand when I say them. Uh, but uh, but, but it's, it's just like this. It's like, the, uh, uh, like the, uh, the, the preacher I heard one time that said, uh, you know, that, 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 I, that I drink all the liquor I want to. Did you know that about me? That may surprise you. I smoke all the dope I want to. And Trey's like, good night. Uh, I do. But here's the thing. Well, how much drinking and dope smoking you doing, Pastor? None. I'm doing all I want to do right now. Uh, Because God changed my wanter. My wanter. How would y'all say that? I don't, my wanter? I don't know. Uh, God changed my desire. Now, I say that, but I want you to understand something else. I still have the old nature as well. Yes. In other words, God's changed me, saved me. There's a part of me saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? With the evidence of speaking in new languages. Not, not, the, not, the, foreign, not the foreign language, but, in, but, being, but speaking differently than I used to speak. Okay, well, I'm just saying that. But, but here's, here's what I mean. But there's another part of me that's just as depraved as it ever was. That's why when some people where they are, when somebody comes to me and i got to tell you some things about my life, and you probably ain't never heard nothing like this before. And uh, I, I hear that stuff a lot. But you know what? I never go, <gasps> and faint, you know, like they do in the movies or something like that. Uh, no. I'm just like, I get it, man. 
Pastor, if I've told you the things I've done, if I've told you the things I've thought about doing, I get it. You know why? Because I have an old nature. That's as bad as anybody you'd want to meet. Uh, this is a part of discipleship, okay? Talking about growing together. That's what I'm talking about, growing together. Because here's one of the principles of growing together. All right? It goes back to an old, uh, I heard it as an old native proverb. There was an old native. And he, he, he said to himself, he had become a Christian. He'd been saved for many years. And, and he made a description one time. He says, you know, he said, it's kind of like I've got two dogs fighting on the inside of me. He said, it's like I've got a white dog that represents the, the Holy Ghost of God and what God's doing in my life. He said, but then I've got a black dog that represents sin and those evil desires and all those things. And he says, it's just like I've got these two dogs fighting in me all the time. Well, then a logical follow-up question was, well, which one wins? And he said, whichever one I feed the most. Whichever one I feed the most. You know what you're doing here being on a church on a Sunday morning? You're getting fed, amen? That new man is being strengthened. When, when, when you show up for a Bible study, when you just decide that you're going to get together and have lunch with another Christian in the church, or go shooting, or you know whatever, you're saying, you know, I'm going to get around somebody, and, and, and you're getting strengthened more on that other side. Because I want you to know, my old nature, I talked about not wanting to do those things, because if I, if I actually gave in to the wants of my old nature, whew, no telling where it would lead. No telling where it would lead. Uh, but we love people where we are. We grow together. This speaks of discipleship. This is some of the things that we're trying to do uh, this year when we're, you know, uh, starting in February, we're going to be beginning, and, and just stay tuned for this, but starting in February, we're going to be, be beginning a 10-week series uh, that's, that, that, that involves some of the very early steps of the Christian life. That's going to be uh, starting about 9.45 to 10 on Sunday mornings. Uh, so I'm going to be encouraging folks, especially new believers and new members that would be willing, but everybody that would be a part of that. But that we're going to be just doing things that, uh, that, that's just going to help us grow together. Uh, the Bible says this. This is interesting. Uh, the Bible says nearly 60 times it speaks about one another. We live in a real selfish age. Did you know that? That's part of that old nature. Not the, the new nature is not selfish. Old nature is selfish. We all got it. All right? The old nature, when we think about most of our lives revolves around somebody and it's us. Right? <laughs> And we think, we, we, we view the world in the context of ourselves oftentimes. And then that, that creeps over into us as Christians and into church. And that creeps over into the person and be like, oh no, I can get everything I need to get just by, you know, just by reading myself. Just by watching stuff online and reading. It's like, so you're getting everything for yourself. Getting everything for myself. But there's 60 passages in the New Testament that say that we need to serve one another and love one another and comfort one another, and encourage, oh no, I don't need any of that. I'm fine on my own. But growing together means committing to one another. Growing together means, hey, you know what? It's not always convenient to be there for somebody, for somebody else. But you want to know something else? It's a blessing to be there for somebody else. It is. Now, there's the part of me, it's like, I don't want to do that. But when I say, you know what? But I do want to do that because that's what God wants me to do. I want to do. And it's like, man, this is a blessing. Serve one another. Serve one another. So um, I got to hurry. We got 15 more of these. Okay, I'm just kidding. I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't. All right. I, I'm going to give you these last two quickly. Uh, but the Bible, but there's, there's 60 one another's that we'll talk about at some other point. Uh, I actually referenced them a little bit two weeks ago on a Wednesday night if you want to go back and look at that. But, uh, but, but the fifth core principle of Elk Point Baptist Church is we enjoy serving Jesus. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. I mentioned this uh, earlier today, but some people think, you know, some people here think, you know, Jesse, you're so laid back. If you would just go to the whip hand a little more, you know you could get a lot more done. You know you could get a lot, a lot more done, done, and done, done, and it done quicker, or whatever. But here's the thing. Uh, I don't have a whip hand. I don't have a whip. And we don't have a whip in this church. In this church, as a pastor and as leaders in this church, we lead. We don't push. We lead. Um, we encourage. But we don't guilt. We enjoy serving Jesus. 
It's not about uh, serving out of a drudgery. We enjoy that. Core principle is that we enjoy serving Jesus. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the product of obedience. It's the outflow of balance. Which means, not only, do, not only are we not cracking the whip on other people, we're not cracking the whip on ourselves either. We're not cracking the whip on ourselves. Here's what Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your souls. In other words, we have to be healthy if we're to lead others to health. If I am so wore out, because you say, well, preacher, you just said that we ought to kind of sacrifice and serve even when we don't feel like it. Well, that's true. But at the same time, we need to, we need to make sure that we're healthy emotionally, physically, spiritually. Hey, if, 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 if you're asked to do Sunday school or serve in any capacity, I want you to always know, hey, have some balance there. Preacher, this is wearing me out. Preacher, I dread coming to church on Sundays now. Stop. Don't let yourself get to that point. Here's what I'm saying. People dread that. Why? Because i got so much to do. And I know I'm going to be back there with the kids or I'm going to be involved in this or in that. Stop. Hold up. Let's take a little break. Let's, let's find somebody else for that class for the next six months to a year. Let's not have that class for six months to a year. Teach the kids to sit out here for a while. Let's do something different. In other words, we enjoy serving Jesus. Uh, we have to be healthy. Stay healthy. Make sure that you, you are loving and worshiping Christ above all. Above all, that you're keeping your relationship with Christ healthy. I, I like what the Bible says about Daniel in Daniel 6.3. The Bible says he was preferred because he had an excellent spirit. We need to have an excellent spirit in all that we do. And we can't have that if we're all burned out and wore out and everything else. You know, and so, so uh, that, that's, that's something that we enjoy serving Jesus. And then lastly, we live by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. God's able, folks, and we've come too far to turn back now. We've come too far to God now. This church was founded on principles of faith. Now, I understand there's planning involved, and I understand there's careful considerations involved. But this church was founded, and I want to be careful not to sound like I'm trying to brag on myself because I'm not, but I'm just giving glory to God. We did not do vast research and think, you know, the place in the world that a, a thriving church would do is Elk Point, South Dakota. Especially since I didn't even know what Elk Point, South Dakota was. Didn't know it was a thing. We're going to do... But you know what? God's, God's leading me here. Uh, preacher, that's foolish. You don't, you don't go to towns of 2,000 people. See, what I'm telling you is, what makes sense is you do not go to towns of 2,000 people. You go to the big town, and then you can visit the town of 2,000 people, but you don't go to the town of 2,000 people. You go to the big town, you know, and then the people from, and by the way, a lot of people don't, wouldn't include Sioux City or Sioux Falls in that, by the way. You've got to get up over millions before it's worthy for some people to go to. But you go to the bigger city, and then you draw from the little cities. See, because I'm all about thinking. I'm all about looking at research. I'm all about looking and planning. But at some point you say, yeah, I get it. But this is what God's saying to do. Just because it's foolish doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Just because it don't add up doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. We live by faith. We just say, you know what? This is where God wants me to go. Elk Point, South Dakota. And then we come to a town of 2,000 and what do we We start drawing people from Sioux City. And Sioux Falls. Well, no, it's supposed to work that way. Do things God's way. We don't always have to put it out on don't add up we can't do that we don't do we don't work that way we don't work that way we live by faith and uh, and, and see what god does so at the heart of everything we do yes we're careful we're coming up on the budget year and all that stuff you know we're we're, we're mindful and we're careful with all that stuff but when it really gets down to it we still live by faith hey god's leading us in this direction oh can't do that why not doesn't make sense so what there's nothing much about my life that's made sense to this point, including that y'all sit here and listen to me for this long. <laughs> um, so, 
Those are the core principles of Elk Point Baptist Church. I'll give them to you again. Defined, refined, and expanded upon. We're gospel-centered. We're Bible-based. We love people where they are. We grow together. We enjoy serving Jesus and we live by faith. And we'll, I'll, I'll get those all to you eventually because I, I want us all, that's, that's the vision that I, that I hope that we can together kind of cast together and encourage to move on together. Let's all stand please and we'll have the pianist come and uh, we'll be dismissed in just a moment. And I want to come back and I want to close with where kind of where I opened at. Becoming a part of the church really isn't the ultimate answer for your life. I believe it's a part of the answer, but it's not the real answer. The real answer is found not in a place, but in a person. It's not in something that you do, but in something that's already been done by Jesus Christ. It's not in a religion, it's in a relationship. So the gospel-centeredness of this church comes back to relationship. You're looking at a man today that once heard the message that I was trying to give you to, to you today, and it resonated. And I thought something that people often think, that preacher's preaching right to me. But I come to find out it wasn't the preacher preaching to me, he's preaching to everybody. Think about this. It was the Spirit of God speaking to me. And I, I accepted Christ and He changed my life and, and I haven't been the same since and, 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 and I received life in Him. But then, then it went to abundant life in Christ. And that's where I'm still at. It's a battle, folks. It's not just automatic. It's a battle. But have you received Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, would you? Christian, are you trying to share the gospel with somebody else, get somebody else to Jesus? I hope so. If you need Jesus today, I wonder just right before, we're going to be dismissed in just a moment. If you'll just give me another few moments here and we'll dismiss. Wherever you are right now, if God's spoken to your heart, wouldn't you like to know what it is to receive what you've been missing, who you've been missing in Jesus? Wouldn't you like to receive Him today? If so, it's simple. The Bible says that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Would you right there where you are today, from your heart, say these words, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. But Lord, I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. I believe today in your death, burial, and resurrection for my forgiveness and for my salvation. And I want you to come into my heart and my life. Deliver me, Lord. Save me. And Lord, I don't ask you for a feeling and I don't ask you for a sign. But by faith, I accept you at your word. You know, a prayer like that could, from your heart can change your life forever. It's a start. You can receive life. But then you continue to grow in life abundantly. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for the wonderful privilege it is to be in church. I thank You for each one that's come. I thank You for the patience of the folks that have sit and listened attentively, Lord. 